welcome to What's Brewing, CISFA? What's Brewing, CISFA is a podcast produced for the California Community Colleges Student Financial Aid Administrators Association. I'm your host, Dennis Schrader. I serve as the 2021-2022 CISFA past president. I'm recording this episode a little early this week on Monday uh, due to an all-day meeting on Tuesday. So Dana has gone to work elsewhere in the office. It's just you and me. So let's get the show started. And again, welcome to another episode of What's Brewing Cisfa. Let's start our day off here with our first cup. Which is already gone. And I'm onto the sparkling water thing already. I uh, brewed one cup and that was enough for me. So today is a Monday show, which replaces the Tuesday show. So it'll be all news today. So we do have a number of news items that have come out in the last week or so. Let's kick it off with some NASFA things. In particular, straight off the top, they are looking for 2022 conference mentors for the task force that they have. So as they say, attending a National conference for the first time can be a little overwhelming, even if you are not attending alone. So they want attendees to have a great time, come back year after year. And there has been always like a welcome reception for first-time attendees. They want to continue to look for new ways to help first-time attendees connect with other colleagues. So the conference mentor task force will (coughs) will develop and organize conference activities for mentors and first-time attendees. All members of the task force will be required to attend a national conference and participate in activities prior to the conference and on-site. So if you want some more information, I'll give you the link to volunteer opportunities out at the NASFA website. Next news article we have also comes from NASFA. They have just recently released their 2021 National Profile for student aid. So this is aid broken down state by state on total recipients, average aid amounts, total expenditures for each of the major federal student aid programs, and include appropriations updates on Title IV program funding for the 2021-2022 award year. So this is a something they've been doing for about 10 years or more. Uh, and again, it gives you Detailed information about all the different federal student aid programs. and gives you a profile of how many students are receiving aid, average awards, and such. Definitely worth uh, making a review of that. On to some news from federal student aid people. So in a general electronic announcement put out uh, back in December and just recently updated, uh, The general announcement was regarding the 2021 Virtual Federal Student Aid Training Conference and the on-demand access to materials. So the update that they gave us here uh, is as of March 2nd, registration and the event platform for the 2021 Virtual Training Conference will no longer be available. And as it says here, after March 2nd, you will not have the ability to print certificates of attendance. 
But don't worry. All video recordings of the conference sessions and PowerPoint presentations are available on the FSA Conferences website at fsaconferences.ed.gov. A little bit extra information in this uh, original electronic announcement, so I'll give you a link to it in our show notes. Also coming out from FSA, electronic announcement regarding the draft 2023-24 FSA application materials are available. So draft versions are proposed forms like the FAFSA form for 2023-24, the student aid report, and the student aid report acknowledgement are available for public comment. You know, so these are used, the FAFSA is the application, the student aid report in a sense is the output document as we call it that the student can get, and the acknowledgement uh, goes along the same lines as that to indicate that a FAFSA has been processed for a student. Like all things federal, they do go through kind of like a review process in case you want to see layout format or have commentary on it. So this electronic announcement that just came out about all of this is to let us know that, you know, the community like us in financial aid are invited to review the updated draft documents and submit comments on or before April 25th. So I'll give you a link to this electronic announcement. Inside of it has links where you can view all the forms in their draft form. Okay, so that's a lot of forms, but something that we need to do. And along with that, I had a little note here just separately that the FAFSA was available for review. But again, it all links back to the same thing. So I have two news articles I just summarized in one. Save us all a little bit of time. And last on the federal student aid front, something very important for financial aid directors out there. The first Pell Grant administrative cost allowance payments for the 2021-2022 award year are starting to come out now. So in short, what this is, some of us call it the Pell Grant ACA, or Administrative Cost Allowance, is that the federal Pell Grant program under regulations provides for this ACA payment of $5 to each participating school for each student who receives a Pell Grant at the school for a particular award year. Funds can, or I should say here, these funds may be on, used only to defray the cost of administering the Pell Grant, FSCOG, Federal Work Study, and Federal Perkins Loans programs. So this is just something to keep in mind, you know, uh, help work with your accountant because hopefully most of the financial aid directors out there get to keep and use those funds for operations. Again, at $5 per student, it's not significant for most schools, but it, again, helps defray the cost of administering programs, you know, needing office supplies, software, computer hardware, travel and training sometimes, depending upon the funding you have, things that help you operate your office. So this is the first payment for the 2021-22 award year. And they'll make quarterly payments thereafter as Slight adjustments will be made to all of our Pell Grants uh, as far as awards in the next year, even though that school year, um, well, we're in the midst of this school year. We have spring semester, summer semester. Uh, it's just starting off here. 
Moving on to some news from the California Student Aid Commission. So CSAC, as we call them, put out a special alert just today about upcoming virtual training events. And this is just kind of a reminder of what's going on. Uh, for example, uh, tomorrow, and this might be the last one maybe for the spring, is the annual statewide financial aid workshop, primarily for high school counselors and advisors. But that is tomorrow, Tuesday, March 1st, still available for people to sign up. It's a virtual workshop. And I've, I've talked at many of those over the years. <clears throat> also, CalGrant Regional Trainings are going on, and these will be coming up in April and in June. There's a Session A and a Session B. One of them deals with some CSAC updates, institutional eligibility, CalGrant overview, and information about the California Dream Act. And then there's some other sessions, as they call them, Session Bs, which are about disbursements and payments, payment scenarios, navigating web grants, uh, reports and tools, and then reconciliation. Oh, and here, a Session 3, also in April and June, different dates, on foster youth programs and the middle class scholarship. Other things coming up, too. There's other upcoming webinars on Cal Grants 101, uh, education level verification, GPA reports and matching, and otherwise. So I'll give you a link to the special alert in our show notes so you can get a full summary of what's coming out from the Student Aid Commission as far as virtual training. Talking about virtual training, one of the things that I didn't see on the list there, but I know just came out recently is the California Dream Act Boot Camp. So this is training specifically for financial aid people and undocumented student personnel looking to build better strategies with their financial aid department, in particular with students who complete the California Dream Act application. So these trainings are coming up on March 10th and 17th. Uh, again, they are free. <clears throat> but uh, as it says here, participants who sign up are committing to attend both of those sessions. So I guess you have to do both of them uh, together. And again, it's really so that you can better prepare the college and your office to work with students. Again, undocumented students who complete the California Dream Act application for state aid consideration. One other webinar I, I found kind of interesting, and it's not specific to financial aid, but it may be one of the things that affects things in the background we don't think about all the time, and that's demographics. And so this is a free webcast called The Demographic Decline in College's Financial Futures, and this comes on uh, Thursday, March 10th also. And so, you know, it's one of these things that we do have to look at because as you talk on your schools and such. Enrollments tend to be going down, and we know that some of that is pandemic-related. But also, here in California specifically, high school graduates, the numbers of them are going down. And it's not because students aren't graduating per se, but it's really just the number of students available. And so as those numbers go down, how will that impact colleges' financial viability? So I think this will be an interesting session uh, online one time March 10th at 11 a.m. apparently for our time here. So I'm going to give you a link to that Zoom if you want to sign up for that. Found this one out at Inside Higher Ed. 
One last thing from NASFA. Uh, this was something I just did their little quick survey on a few weeks ago, but NASFA's altitude, where again, Justin Drager offers some high-level perspective on things regarding student financial aid and otherwise. And what it was is he had a little quiz out there about what would you want of two things? Uh, what you see is more important. If given the choice, would aid administrators prefer a four-day, 32-hour work week without any reduction in pay and benefits or the ability to work from home all or most of the time? So apparently from the survey, what Justin and all found out is overwhelmingly the answer was to reduce the work week from five to four days. You know, now this is not, uh, as they say, it's not a statistically sound representative sample, but the number part, uh, you know, based upon who all um, participated, but it is an interesting one. I guess it was overwhelmingly, as he says, percentage-wise, the people that would have picked that over the work from home. And so I think this will be a discussion that will probably continue on for a while, <clears throat> but um, it is something that, you know, uh, is certainly being discussed when it looks at uh, employee efficiency, productivity, whether work from home works for colleges or works uh, for your employees or your students. And that's something I think we forget about. It's easy to say all our students may want to go online or such, but do they really? And are they really getting the full college experience, especially if they plan to transfer? This online thing may not last forever in the ways that it was during the pandemic. So interesting take. I think there will be more to be said on this topic over time. Guess the last couple articles here, and we're going to have a short show, it looks like. Something I found at the James G. Martin Center for Academic Renewal. They're out of North Carolina, and they look at things across the higher ed, was a nice article called The Graduate's Perspective, The Value of First Attending Community College. And so this was written by one of their, uh, I assume their staff or uh, people there, probably relatively a new person, because they talk from the perspective of someone who, you know, may have gone to, let's say, you know, college prep schools and such, where a lot of times people coming out of more prestigious or higher achieving high schools might feel that pressure to go straight on to a four-year university, let alone a prestigious or highly selective four-year university. But one of the things that she writes about is how we have to really look at, and again, the message has to get out there, that going to, Cal, uh, going to community colleges is good. And it shouldn't be something that should put a damper on your overall education. So, you know, some of the sub points that she points out here talks about, and we talk about on the show oftentimes, affordability, of course, you know, the advising and mentorship that you would receive at a community college. This person talks specifically about the school they went to, which is Durham Technical Community College out there in, again, North Carolina. And then going on to UNC, University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. And so it is something to look at. So again, affordability, advising that you'll get. Transfer resources here in California in particular. 
just as it seems like they have out in North Carolina, there's a lot of what we call articulation agreements between community colleges and many local and statewide four-year universities to ensure students stay on target with their program so they can transfer in a reasonable period of time. So uh, I think it's an inspirational article here. As it says here, Lillian Diaz, the article writer, is a graduate of UNC Chapel Hill, where she double majored in English and Spanish. She teaches classes and publishes content on YouTube for her accent coaching business uh, while ma- mothering a daughter of one. So she's a busy person. But again, found value in going to a community college. And I think we have to make sure we keep that front and forward as much as possible for everybody <laughs> where they want to go. And make sure they know community college is a viable possibility. Last item here I'll end on in the news is a job that I saw on the NASA Career Center that I, uh, just so you know, I will not be competition for for anybody. Uh, This is a person, uh, there's an opening at Portland State University out there in Portland, Oregon. Nothing against Oregon at all. Beautiful and green. All that stuff. But the job is a return to Title IV aid and appeals review coordinator. <clears throat> and for those who don't know about return to Title IV, it's probably the one process the Department of Ed has put out there that nobody likes. Not that there's any real uh, other uh, possibility of how to handle what it does, but it's just a process that's really hard to like. It's It's complex. It's hard to explain to students. And it's really what it does is it revolves around the idea that if a student drops out completely during a semester, depending upon how long they were in that semester, how many units, how many classes, and when when they dropped out, they may owe some of their money back. That's the return part of the return of Title IV, Title IV being federal aid funds, process and such. And so it's a, it's a very complicated. So um, I can't believe that they aren't paying this person a million dollars a year. But uh, if you are looking to move to Portland, Oregon, and you're in the financial aid world, and you want a true challenge, why not try? I'll give you a link to this in the show notes if you're interested. But for those who also don't know, NASA does have a very nice career center, keeps up to date on all the different financial aid related jobs that are open out there. I think we're going to take a little break and move our way right into our last sip part of the show here. So I have a little music on me. And just like that, like I said, we'd be back for what? Our last sip segment. And again, this would be where I give you an I dare you to selection for the day. Uh, now, although I don't subscribe to the Chronicle for Higher Education anymore, it's not so much a cost thing. It's just that I wish they would have more of a focus on student services and student affairs, as they call it still, uh, instead of just most of the faculty stuff. It's hard to relate to that, um, among some other reasons. They had a real uh, good article recently titled 
right now, your best employees are eyeing the exits. So the article talks about and bullet points the specifics about how benefits alone aren't going to keep our best and brightest employees. And I think the opening paragraph kind of sets the scenarios at hand that some financial aid directors, uh, you know, maybe including myself, are seeing or hearing about across campuses. So here's how it starts, the story. Right now, your best mid-level manager is updating her resume. Your hardest working director is controlling his excitement after learning the salary range for a private sector opening. Your most trustworthy entry-level professional is writing a resignation letter because her new corporate position doubles her pay and doesn't require nights or weekends. So what is my I dare you to out of all of this? Uh, I guess really not to be complacent, for one. You know, if you or your staff have been worked to the bone or positions haven't been filled on your campus, or your administration is not openly working with you to fill those jobs or help out in some way, time now is to speak up. You know, again, be courteous in doing so, but I really should say be persistent. It's one of the things I keep working on on this. You know, the one thing I've learned over time, so much time here in higher ed, is that, you know, our administrators are not the detail-oriented people they used to be. You know, you can't bore your vice president or vice or president with minute details of work within your office. But high-level concepts, absolutely. You know, so keep it on their front burner. If you're getting slowdowns in filling positions, or you need overtime funding, or you may need to close your office maybe for some hours of a day or a day for staff, you know, things like staff training or workshops. So I'm going to leave it at that for you. If you subscribe to the Chronicle or have a free account, I think you can still get it free for the month if you haven't used up your limit on one, two, or three articles. I can't remember. Uh, I'll find a link if I can because I lost it after I printed it out for myself. But if you can print it out, highlight the parts you want your boss to focus on and have a discussion about that. So I dare you to talk up and get the support you need for your office. But otherwise... That's really about all we have time for today. But don't worry, there will be another episode at the end of the week. We'll have Dana back here to discuss something. I don't know what exactly, but we'll have something to talk about. So I do want to thank you all for joining us on the show today. Remember, What's Brewing Sisva is a production of Studio 1051, a creative collaboration of me and Dana Yarbrough. This has been episode number 165, recorded Monday, February 28th, 2022. Everybody have a great day and have a great week.